Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and this is Reset. The United Network for Organ Sharing, or UNOS, is in charge of matching available organs to people in need, and that system is in desperate need of an update. A White House review found UNOS is deeply flawed, and complaints range from an outdated coding system and weak cybersecurity to shutting down for hours at a time. Last year, the system matched over 40,000 organs to people in need, but some can end up on a waiting list for years, depending on their blood type, body size, and how sick they are. An average of 22 people die every day just waiting for a life-saving transplant. Joseph Men is a technology reporter specializing in hacking privacy and surveillance for The Washington Post, and he's here with more. Now, before we get into this White House review, let's get a bit more familiar with what UNOS is. For those who don't know, how does UNOS work? Well, it's a nonprofit that was established uh, about 36 years ago. That's when the law set up, uh, Congress passed a law to set up how to manage um, organ transplants in the United States. And it specifically said a nonprofit should run it. Uh, There should have input from doctors who perform transplants and um, from those who gather organs and big hospitals. Um, And uh, UNOS is in charge of the whole thing. It sort of sits in the middle. Um, So it handles a bunch of different functions. One is setting the the algorithms that determine the rankings on the waiting list, which can be absolutely critical. So that includes things like, as you said, blood type, but, uh, but, but you know, life expectancy if you get an organ, uh, life expectancy if you don't get an organ, mm-hmm. um, uh, and all, the, all these other factors. They also manage the relationship with what are called organ procurement organizations, who are the ones, the regional nonprofits that go around and, and collect organs, uh, and then the relationships with the hospitals that receive them and, and transplant them. So they do, they, they sort of sit in the middle of this of this giant network of complicated things, managing both the policy, you know, who gets what organ, mm-hmm. uh, but, but also the technology. How does it get from point A to point B? So when was the system's last update? Well, I mean, they say they're continually updating themselves, but it is so complicated. Uh, the, the code is so intermingled that once they set a new policy, uh, you know, for example, you know, kidneys can have, you know, a kidney can be usable even if it's recovered from a person who had a given ailment at the time of death. They can take a year to get into the actual code to make that happen. So it's sort of, it's continually updating, but it's continually lagging. So, so the system is still relying on, on human data input. Oh, that is one of the big problems that was identified by the White House review. Yeah. Um, so at multiple stages in the process, there are you know human beings who have to enter very specific data about the nature of the organ that was recovered. You know, it's very you know size, weight, shape, all that kind of thing, um, blood type, and then that happens again later on in the process. But almost every hospital, certainly any hospital of any size in the United States, is now has digital records. Mm-hmm. So there, there's no technical reason why that couldn't happen automatically and prevent a lot of errors. And so we're clear, is this the only organ transplant network in the country? That's right. It has a monopoly, and that's a big problem because it also has a sort of this bizarre amount of leverage over the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, which 
officially oversees the contract and occasionally rebids the contract, mm-hmm. UNOS always wins. Um, and uh, they, you know, according to people who have tried to oversee it uh, and, and doctors, it sort of acts like like it's in charge. Um, it, it says it owns the, the, the programming code that makes all these uh, assignments. And, you know, it, it has all this experience doing it. And it says that if Health and Human Services, you know, puts out the contract for bid again and decides to go with somebody else for a change to manage all this, then the U.S. government would have to pay for the code, $55 million to buy the code. And until until that happens, they won't let federal overseers review the entire code base. And that, mm. that's one of the big security issues, too. Let's talk about uh, eligibility. How is eligibility for organs weighed? Um, well, uh, part of it, you know, it depends what organ, first of all. The, the list, uh, as you said, is more than um, 100,000 people long. The majority of those are looking for kidneys. Uh, okay. But some need hearts, lungs, um, you know, much more immediate sort of life or, life or death situation. One of the um, one of the cruel ironies about the whole process is that you get higher on the list if you're about to die without it, because that's you know an urgent need. Um, on the other hand, that means that the people who are getting the organs are maybe sicker um, are sicker than than it would be if it was some other if it was weighted differently. Um, uh, and then, you know, if you're 20 years old and you need a kidney or a lung or something, you're more likely to get it than if you're 80. You know, there's a, a certain amount of sense there. You yeah. Get the most bang I, I've always, bucks. yeah, I've always heard about it being, you know, if you are, or I guess giving it to the least sick, if that makes sense, because they would be able to use it for longer. Right. Um, so that, so that's, so your life expectancy is, is a big factor. Yeah. Does race play a role in, in what? point a person is eligible for an organ? Ha. Ah, it does. They say that they're going to undo that. They're in the process of un- undoing that. Really? Um, I am more yes. Um and that might also lag just because everything lags in getting implemented. And that's one of the issues here is it's kind of a it's kind of a black box. Nobody really knows exactly what the waiting is, um exactly exactly how it works in practice. Um, and they're they're actually, you know, despite being a nonprofit, is actually quite secretive, and so it's hard to know exactly what's going on. But Congress is is looking at various bits of it, multiple uh, committees in Congress, and the Washington Post continues to look at this pretty seriously. Well, we talked about the thousands currently on the list. What does it look like broken down by demographics? Uh, I can't tell you that off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I'm more of a technology expert. My colleague on these stories, uh, Lenny Bernstein, is a longtime health reporter. So okay. Well, my my notes here say that uh, ethnic minorities, at least we we know this much, that ethnic minorities make up about sixty percent of patients on the on the waiting list. So uh, the White House review details major shortcomings to the UNO system. You've already pointed some out for us, uh, Joseph. Break down some more for us and, and really the issues that the system's facing now. Sure. The main problem is that it's kind of archaic in the structure. Now, you know, cloud technology is not new. Um, you know, every major company has at least some part of its business in the cloud, and it provides lots and lots of advantages. One is speed. Um, and by cloud, you know, it generally, we're just, some people say it's just somebody else's computer that you're using instead of your own. Well, that's true. But Amazon, Microsoft, uh, Google, and others offer these remote computing uh, platforms 
that are very speedy because they have, um, you know, they, they have all of their machine network machines at work on your stuff. Um, it's also much better for security in general because you're, again, trusting these major companies with keeping things updated. Uh, the government has been moving more of its stuff to the cloud uh, for a long time. It, it, you don't have like a single point of failure if you do if you do it correctly. Yunos, mm-hmm. on the other hand, does not have the majority of its stuff um, on the cloud. It's, it has a couple of big data centers, and that means that it is not as quick. It's not as fast. It's harder to do uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, yeah. which is where, where a lot of this you know, medical things are going. And it's uh, it's not as secure. Um, and, you know, the proof is in the pudding. There have been multiple outages where you can't get an organ. You can't arrange a shipment for an organ um, because uh, because it's all kind of held together, you know, in the old fashioned way. And one outage in early 2021 lasted for uh, in part for almost three hours. Wow. That when you're talking about a lung or a heart that uh, seriously deteriorates after four hours that's critical. outside of a body, that's a really, really big problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, other challenges uh, organ transplant coordinators are facing. Uh, I'm hearing the system's so flawed that some have turned to travel sites like Expedia. This is really pretty shocking for people unfamiliar with this system, which is most of us. Um, you would think that if there is a national nonprofit in, in charge of getting organs from donor A to patient B, that they would have, you know, this, this you know, state-of-the-art tracking and, and travel system, you know, something like the FAA, where it can see, you know, all planes going everywhere at once. Um, but it's as far from that as you can imagine. You have some of the most gifted transplant surgeons in the world spending time on Expedia and uh, and kayak and other travel sites trying to arrange themselves figure out just like an average consumer is how do i get an, you know an organ from you know mobile alabama to san francisco california or the mm-hmm. other way around and sometimes people die because they're not able to figure out a route that gets gets you know gets the doctors to pick up the organ and gets and gets back in time wow. it, it's it's actually kind of horrifying so let's briefly talk solutions before i let you go what is it going to take to, to completely revamp this system? And, and how much money are we talking? So the money actually isn't that bad. $55 million sounds like a lot. Uh, but first of all, we're talking about the federal government here. They have a, a nickel or two. Um, and actually, the UNOS gets most of its money, uh, the majority of it, from uh, transplant uh, patients who have to pay fees. Um, and that's not going to go away. Um, so uh, the people we talked to, uh, experts on this, said that yeah, it might cost $55 million, actually a little bit more for the, the migration process uh, to, to put the program, to split up the program or give it to somebody else. Um, but you'd earn that back in efficiencies in, in a year or two, uh, in addition to saving, you know, uh, being allowed to have at least 5%, you know, more transplants, saving about 5% more lives every single year. Yeah. Um, so the, the cost is not prohibitive. The easier way to do it is to rebid the contract, and this time, not give this enormous advantage to the incumbent, because mm-hmm. um, that's kind of that's the way it's been done in the past. The the surefire way is to have Congress rewrite the original '86 law, which is which is part of the a big part of the problem here, because it distinctly you know has all these requirements um, and gives again you know this weird amount of leverage over the federal government itself. Yeah. 
It uh, turns out you can you can pass laws in Congress these days, uh, much to many people's surprise. <laughs> right. Um, and, and this is a nonpartisan issue, so that that's helpful. So that that is that is at least the threat of that um, of uh, rewriting the law might you know might finally uh, get this off the dime. And uh, I'm curious, any reaction from UNOS Chief Executive Brian Shepard to these concerns? Well, they say they'll work with Congress. They say they'll work with the HHS. They say they do that now. Um, you know, they say that uh, we've got the finest uh, organ transplant system in the world. They say that um, they've never been hacked, though, of course, many security people would say many, many organizations are hacked and never learn about it. Um, uh, and that, you know, generally they're uh, they're they're doing they're doing great and should be left alone. But they are willing to to work with overseers. Joseph Men is a technology reporter specializing in hacking, privacy, and surveillance for The Washington Post. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot for having me. That's all for today's Reset episode. If you like this episode, here's another you might enjoy. We recently talked about the Inflation Reduction Act passed by the Senate last week that would allocate $369 billion over 10 years to fight the climate crisis. So that's absolutely huge. It's a significant amount uh, when you look at what we need to do. And in terms of tons, um, this could be a billion tons uh, of actual reductions in carbon. Check it out. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.